Hi everybody, welcome to Long Term Memory. My name's Jack. And my name's Colin, as always, the same intro every single week. But something that is different this week is a guest, Jack, and it's a guest that you have organised for us. So well done to you, and I'll let you do the introductions. Aye, so before uh, we say hello to our guest, I need to tell everybody, I went to my first A meeting about a fortnight ago now, uh, into recovery, basically. I've had a problem with alcohol for a long time, and one of the, I'll be honest, one of the main factors in me gone was, I was listening to a podcast called State White Whale, and the host of that's a guy called Darren Connell. Um, some of you will have heard him, he's a comedian, uh, an actor, so, and his openness about his addiction, recovery, and where he is in life, basically made me go to my first AA meeting, I'll be honest with you, so I reached out to Darren, told him my story, basically went, thanks mate, and then asked him to come on the pod to speak about addiction and recovery, basically, so Darren, cheers for coming on mate. Thank you very much for asking me mate, and and well done on that, that's uh, amazing news. Aye, aye, like I say, um, it just got to the stage, I'll be honest here, I just got to the stage where the suicidal thoughts were just becoming almost incessant, you know, it's, it's when you start, when you get to the sort of, the planning stage, um, the planning stage of, I'm laughing, it's fucking terrible, but uh, that sort of planning stage I talk to yourself, man, that's when you start to think, right, I need a little bit of help here, and like I say, you've been so open about your recovery, I thought, right, I'm no in the same boat, and I'll admit, mate, when I went to my first AA meeting, I did not have a clue what to expect, and I expected to go into a hall, maybe, and there'd maybe be eight or ten people there. The meeting I ended up going in, there must have been about 40 or 50 people there, so, and they were just so welcoming, you know, like, they were just top-notch people, everybody was shaking hands, giving you hugs, and welcome to the meeting, asking all about you and stuff like that, and they, like, I'll be honest, they burst into tears as soon as I walked into that first meeting, just how nice they were, so... What about you? What, let's speak about your journey, and Darren, because I'm going to call you an expert, right? Because seven years sober, is that right? Aye, um, aye, I would say seven years sober, uh, 17th of December, I got sober when I was 28. I wouldn't say, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say I was an expert. Aye, no, I know. I, all, uh, all the three of us, yeah. Aye. <laughs> Your pal's just sitting there like, I still drink Bucky, so I don't know what the fuck <laughs> you're talking about. I, I certainly do not, actually, Darren, thanks very much. I, I, was, a, I was a buck first drinker up until my last, up to my last drink, and it was, it was the day after uh, the League Cup final, and I, was, I had a bottle of wine uh, and uh, spirits, but sorry for interrupting me, on you go, like, you're not an expert, but, but you're, you're seven years further into it than me. And I think we're covering all bases here, you know, you get Colin the Sober, one me, I would say in recovery, and then you, would you say recovered, or are you, are you always in recovery, you know, are you always? Well, I, I don't want to be preachy or anything, but for me, um, I've realised that when I was younger, it was it was mental health problems, and then I started to self-medicate with alcohol to make myself feel better. Uh-huh. And it never had a good effect on me, uh, but if it set up a craving that I craved more alcohol, and it just it was just this internal loop of drinking because I was depressed, and it would make me more depressed. And I never really enjoyed um, the taste or anything like that. And I just hit, I just got, I caught myself like pointing my finger at a lot of people, saying I'll never be like that, and. 
I'll never be like him and I'll never do this. And I ended up doing everything that I said I would never do and I became all the people that I said I would become. And um, I just, I know it's so cliched, but they say you kind of get sick of being sick. And I just, I went out for a drink one night after I, I, I went to a wedding basically after not drinking for seven months, which was miserable because I did it by myself. And then I was in my bed for five days with a hangover and somebody phoned us and they said, what, we want to meet you for a drink because we want to work with you. And that was the first time I ever said to the guy, I was like, mate, I th- he wasn't even my pal, it was a work colleague. I said, mate, I think I'm an alcoholic. And he said, why don't you just drink what I drink instead of drinking what you normally drink, which would be just pints, shots and bucky, really. And then mm. at the end of the night, I'd just drink whatever I could get. But I went out with this guy and um, I was exhausted, like physically, mentally exhausted. And I had a couple of, you know, he was drinking white wine, rum and coke. Uh, I think I remember drinking like a Peroni. And I just, I wasn't drunk. And I just had, I was standing at the bar and I put a drink down and this wee voice in my head just done that enough mm. and honestly it was like this wave just this wave came over me and I was like I'm done I'm fucking done with this man I'm so mm. sick of being that cunt can I swear? Ah, of course you can swear I'm so Aye. sick of being that guy that just constantly talks shit about chopping booze and never doing it and uh, I certainly didn't hit the ground running but I just knew that night I was like ah, I'm out because it was the 17th of December and I was like Get Christmas out the way, get the bells out the way. I was like, it's never going to happen. By the way, I'm going to put my glasses on. I can't see. I can't <laughs> see any cunt. I'm trying to be cool here with my glasses on. I'm like, try to be cool for us. Look at the state of us, man. My eyes are all gone bent and stuff. You just think I've relapsed? Like, is he fucking steaming? Uh, he swapped a drink for the drugs, man. Um, <laughs> That was it. Like I'm not, I'm not going to get my full story, but like the, the sort of tipping point that I says was, I was lying in bed, wide awake because I, I'm there's a sort of codependency there. Um, that, that's no the right, that's no the right term for it. But there's, there's narcotics involved. We drink quite a lot, so like, and I've got I've got this sort of fuck. It's like a superpower. For years ago, like you, I would take hundreds of eckies and coconut and stay up for four days, three days, booze night, stay up, and it's carried on into. Into now, even three weeks ago, I stayed up for like three nights, three days, three days I didn't sleep for just thinking, just a solid thing. And it was lying in bed, writing that suicide note in your head, man. I was like, ah, right, wait a minute, that's fucking, I need, um, and that's, listen to yourself, mate. And I thought, fuck it, I'm gonna, and I'm gonna go. I shot, I shot myself on, uh, Monday, on the Tuesday night, and then I went on, uh, the Wednesday night, um, down to that meeting, and what I says. You, you mentioned there you tried it. Um, I've never admitted it until then, and I've never tried to stop until then. You said you've done seven months, tried it by yourself. Do you think if you're if you're an addict, you, you need help? You need to go to Alcoholics Anonymous or, or counselling. There's, there's tons of different services available, professional services. Do you think you need that help? Do you think try to go cold turkey is almost setting yourself up to fail? I mean, what, I, I personally think, like, what's the point in re- flying solo when 
there's so many tools there for you to use anyway. And yes. it's free. It's all free. And like I, I've been in your position before when you're scared and you're terrified and you walk into maybe a GP asking for help for your mental health or if you're walking into an AA meeting or something and you think, am I going to know people in this room? What if there's a teacher in my school here? My auntie could be in this room. What, what am I going to do for this birthday? What am I going to do for this wedding? Um, I could probably be sober for January, February, March, but there's a birthday in, you know, April. All these weird thoughts that go through your head. And then you just go to these free meetings and you sit running a circle with a cup of tea and you realise it's actually not that hard. Um, the spread's fantastic they put on down there, mate. They'd like, like <laughs> they wee hot, hot pocket potato, uh, potato things with cheese in them and stuff like that, like loaded baked potatoes and Aye. cake and all sorts, man. Pecora, the Pecora was top notch. Colin, are you sober? I am, yeah. So I drink, I've got a bit of funny attitude to alcohol. I drink maybe two or three times a year. Yeah. And then I, I don't touch it after that. But when I, when I drink, I go and have a session and I go a bit silly with it. But I can quite easily turn it off and not touch it for months and months at a time. One, I can't cope with hangovers. Two, I don't like getting out and spending 150 quid in a pub. And three, I'm a lazy bastard. So the idea of just going for two or three drinks and then, then not having my car doesn't work for me. I would rather just go and drink a Coke and have the car so I could drive home and not mess with my taxis and stuff like that. So... I've been lucky enough to never really fall into the trap of home drinking either, unless I've got people in the house and it's an occasion sort of thing. So yeah. I've been very lucky in that regard. I've got I've got plenty of other issues and stuff like that that aren't so good, aren't so healthy. But the drink I've always been quite lucky with, thankfully. And um, maybe that I, I feel a little bad actually. Obviously, Jack's one of my best mates. I talk to him two, three, four times a week and stuff like this. And it took a podcast to open up to him and hear this sort of stuff. So I kind of feel bad that. I didn't recognise any of this, so I'm super grateful for you and your podcast and the fact that you're probably going to give me a better time and a better time, better longer time with my mate. So thank you. For oh, that. I'm really great here, man. Like, don't don't fucking don't feel bad about it mate, because what alcoholics are fucking brilliant at is hiding it. Uh, like I could hide it like fuck. Like I've recorded podcasts with you many times, basically after a bottle of wine or after sometimes a bottle of vodka, and I bet you couldn't tell. You would never be able to tell me. Probably couldn't tell. I mean, to be to be fair, man, I always thought that you were a big drinker. I probably I probably always thought that you maybe drank a little bit too much at times, but I never had any idea that it was problematic. I mean, you told me a couple of weeks ago that you felt it'd been an issue for longer than you'd care to say. Right. That probably isn't the right word, but I found that quite sobering. Like it was like I, I, I feel bad. That's that's mad, and I'm just so grateful that. You're, you're now doing what you can do to try and fix it and I'm not very knowledgeable on it, I don't know all the, all the tricks and all the ways to do it, but what I do know is that it won't be easy there will be kind of docks in the road and stuff like that, but I think God, the way you're doing it, having things like a sponsor, having people like Darren now that's been through it, knows about it, and then having people like me that can maybe talk to you from a non expert point of view and just try and have normal conversations around stuff like that yeah. I just want you to know you've got loads of people around you and loads of people that want you to do well and are here for you, do you know what I mean? So, have you got a sponsor, Dad, and how important is that sort of side of it, having the sponsor and somebody you can kind of phone at any time and they'll kind of walk you off the ledge sort of thing? Well, I approach sobriety, um, it's not just all or nothing way. Alcoholics Anonymous, I use AA is just a tool that I use, one of many tools. Um, there's therapy that I've used, I've been to. 
it's really about just going on your own journey. But if you were to... I mean, I know people that went to AA and it's not been for them. And they went down the kind of meditation route or, or something like that. But all these places kind of have your unofficial sponsors and all that stuff. And I, I did therapy recently with Back On Side. In, in a sense, um, in the programme, you get 12 steps. I basically went through the 12 steps with a therapist. And I've also did it in recovery. It's supposed to be anonymous, but I choose to not, like... I mean, I won't openly talk about it all the time, but I'll talk about it on my podcast. And if it helps people, then I'm happy. I'm happy to give away my my anonymity. But, yes, um, I would say if you were to go to Alcoholics Anonymous, Jack, and mm-hmm. not get a sponsor and not do the steps... <clears throat> That is like walking into a gym and just standing and looking at all the equipment and then walking uh-huh. out. I like. I feel very overwhelmed the first the first couple of meetings because I, I it's it's a kind of shock to the senses because there's a lot of ter- terminology and sort of things like that that you don't you don't you know nothing about. There's like a prayer type thing that they do and it's it's just just a bit overwhelming. There's tons of stuff going on, but. Uh, one of our one of our good friends, mine Collins friend, has been he's been through recovery. He has I want to say about twelve years sober or something like that. Is that right, Colin? It's about eleven or twelve. Uh, yeah. so, and he he what his advice to me was if you shut your mouth and open your ears twice as much and just listen, you you'll learn. You just need to sort of go with it and learn. And there's no really there's no really suggestions. This is what one of the guys. You share in these meetings, calling at the end. They open up the floor, and you can tell your story. I've not said it yet. I don't. Um, I've just passed at the moment because I'm just there to listen right now. But the guy in front of me says, "There's not really any suggestions." A, like it's kind of like this is what you do, and these are the steps that you follow, and it's going to yeah. give you the best chance to come out at the end and not no relapse or whatever like that. So I I'm still a little bit taken aback by. The, the steps, the traditions and stuff like that, but um, I'm getting slightly more comfortable with it the more I go, so I just need to keep doing that, and like Dan says, if it's like walking around the gym and then just fucking doing a U-turn, you know what I mean, it'd be, it'd be daft not to make there's, help there. there, there's no rush to go into that stuff, you just take it a, a meeting at a time, just enjoy yeah, yourself, get to know people, and then when you go back to the same meeting, find a meeting that you like, when you find a meeting that you like, then you join it, and then one day you'll hear somebody speak, and you'll be like, "I like, I like his partner," and then you ask him for, you ask him if he wants to be the sponsor, but you don't need to worry about that. You know, mate, your early days. Aye, the, the the only thing is the golden rule: just don't take that first drink. That's what they're sort of focusing on just now. And again, with the, the anonymity side of things, I, I'm quite. I did podcasting, I've done podcasting for nearly five, five and a half years now, this podcast for about two years. I'm a kind of look at me guy, look at me, listen to me, love me. <laughs> so I'm quite open and willing to, to tell the listeners. And one of the things as well is I've had a few DMs and stuff like that from people that I know listen to this show telling me about their struggles, be it mental health, be it booze, be it drugs. And if they're listening, again, just, I've DM'd you back, I've spoke to you, just try and keep on that journey, that says I'm not an expert on it, and this is me coming out new, that says I got a DM about a couple of months ago, I've, I've somebody, and 
I just said, like, good for you, mate. Charge on. This was before I went into recovery. So, again, if there's one person that's listening, I don't know how like you've done to me, if there's one person listening to this that makes them maybe take a wee, a wee think of things, then that's good. You know, is there any sort of, you, know, you mentioned sort of what, that, that sort of turning point in your life that brought you to treatment. How's your, how's your life changed since you got sober, mate? Well, I mean, I know, I know it is cliched, right? It's very, very no. cheesy. It's like a life beyond your wildest dreams. Uh-huh. It was almost like micro changes of positivity that I never really picked up on instantly. Because when I was drinking, my head was fried, absolutely fried. I could never sit in my own company. Um, I was always texting my mates and like falling out with them and stuff when they didn't want to meet me. So, so restless and so insecure and really hypersensitive to like rejection and stuff. And I see mm-hmm. towards the end when I feel like I was losing my, my mind with uh, mental health problems. I just got on a bus one night. I remember I just sat in a bus. Couldn't sit in the house by myself. Didn't I think. remember doing that when I was about eight and ended up in Castle Milk, man, like I'd shake myself. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you just, is that the sort of way you burn, man? That's... Ah, well, I was 28. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I just sat in a bus. My head was pure pickled. So that's kind of where it took us. But, you know, you'll, you'll randomly be sitting. Because... I mean, this is how fried my head was, right? See, when I first get sober, somebody was like, ah, why do you, why do you not get a cinema card and go to the cinema? And I was like, with who? And they said, yourself. I was like, go to the cinema by myself, are you fucking mental? And they're like, I? And in my head, I'm like, ah, you're a catcock. <laughs> like, I'm not listening to, to some cunts just told me to go to the cinema by myself. So, I just wanted to no drink, so I was like, fuck it, I'll get a cinema card. And I remember, like, getting a cinema card and walking through Cineworld, the front doors, by myself, like, proper, like that. Hiding, like, some sort of fucking film, man. <laughs> mate, I've done that, so, took my back in the life circumstances changed. In the last couple of years, I ended up having to do things like that by myself, and it was horrendous so I was I think the turning point for me was the Batman film come out with James Patterson and I really wanted to see it and um, I booked tickets to go see it on the Saturday morning show right the very first showing of the day <laughs> because I, I guess there wouldn't be a massive Batman audience for that I drove to the cinema and um, I'm in the car park and I'm on the ticket buying website again just making <laughs> sure that it's still a quiet showing and there's not going to be many people there and because I'd already bought my ticket, I saw that my row was empty, in front of me was empty, right, I'm going to go do it. I went straight in, no popcorn, no tango ice blast, fuck all, mate. Just in, sat down, filming out the door. But I was the most self-conscious I've ever been in my life because, I don't know, the cinema's a solitude thing as well. You're not supposed to fucking talk during it, so why would you need somebody there with you? Exactly. But it, it, it does feel weird, but I've done it three or four times since then, and I actually quite enjoy it now. But yeah, I can totally resonate. I'm glad I can resonate with something on this podcast at last. Um, <laughs> as going to the cinema um, on your on your own for the first time is nerve wracking for for God knows why. I, I kind of let that slide, mate. Did you call Robert Pattinson James Patterson? <laughs> Did I? <laughs> he's that. Ba- he's that bastard. Oh, James Patterson's yeah. that author that brings it like five books a year, but he doesn't actually write them himself. <laughs> Uh, but what I was saying, like, 
that is totally justified emotions and I think sobriety has made me I can go to the cinema by myself and sit at peace and it's very nice and it's very calming now and you know my first year of sobriety I, I fucking went to the cinema maybe five times a week and to do things like go for a meal by yourself as well also started doing the sauna in the steam room, which was amazing. So, and then I noticed, like, I wasn't texting my mates and being as needy as much, and, like, how come they don't like me? How come they'll know this? And and then just the mental health stuff as well. I've always explained it to be, like, it's like a dimmer switch. My dimmer switch was on full, and then when I stopped drinking alcohol and taking drugs, it just got dimmed. So it never get totally removed because I had to go through therapy and I was on antidepressants for a while. But I've never seen someone's life be miserable when they stop drinking alcohol and taking drugs. I've only ever seen positive, positive changes. That's the thing when everybody shares as well. Yeah, that um, beyond your wildest dreams, that life beyond your wildest dreams. So when you hear that, it is like you say, Don. You kind of go, my yeah. Beyond your wildest dreams, are you, are you up shit creep? But um, yeah, staying staying sober. Like I said, is there uh, anything? Is there anything you miss about it? About drinking? Aye. I think I miss the chaos of it. Uh, right. Maybe because I'm like a stand-up comedian and I'm just attracted. I'm attracted to madness. I'll find myself mm-hmm. kind of going towards strange things, like you know. Like, I don't know if you've watched Scott Squad and stuff, it's like improv, so I went for a colonic once, just because I thought I could get material for it. I went I'd love the... one of them. We've discussed this podcast a couple of times, so much we both quite, <laughs> we both quite like to do that, actually. They're amazing, right. by the way, I'll get you a discount. Uh, <laughs> but, like, and years ago I went to Peru, and I'm just like, if somebody's like, I don't want to do that, and I'm like, I want to do that, because... I don't, I don't know why. So I think, like, I, I'm at a stage in my life now that I look at alcohol like it's self-harming, right? And mm. I love my life, so I've got no reason to self-harm. That doesn't mean that I don't have bad days. I have bad days all the time. I struggle to sleep. Uh, I get insomnia. And see, when I'm in the pits of insomnia, I get dark, dark thoughts about drinking and stuff. So I'm not mm-hmm. saying my life is all... Uh, rosy and fantastic but I, I don't miss the taste in that right. stuff but I think the kind of madman in me kind of thinks that would be good but then I'm just re- I'm romanticising it I'm just romanticising fucking hell it's never been good I remember I was doing a panto in Dundee once and I was sharing digs with one of the one of the people in the panto and he had one glass of red wine every single night. And I'm sitting I'm sitting watching him have, having this red wine. And I, in my heat, my alcoholic heat is going, I could have one red wine every single night. Red wine's good for you. Red wine's good for your heart. That would be good <laughs> for my blood. Um, I could have that at night time and take that with magnesium that would help me sleep. See, when I was drinking, I drank Bucky at Tenants and fucking Jaeger bombs. Like, I never drank <laughs> white wine, I never drank red wine. I'm just romanticising pish. Like, it's all shite. 
So. Well, that's I, I, just, I should have just said I don't miss it. <laughs> <laughs> no, mate. We never watch a podcast if I just asked you questions and you just went, nah, mate. Nah. <laughs> um, I don't know if this is a question you should ask somebody. Is it always in the back of your mind that you could relaunch? Is that something that you live with after all these years? Or are you comfortable enough with sitting around people drinking or sort of saying that that you know? No. Or is it just... I'm only three, I'm only two, two and a half weeks in, and it's just like, I, I can't imagine what it's like after three months, after six, do you just lose that fear that you could, because my brother, my, my, this is anonymous, my brother was in the, he was in A, he's done the 12 steps, but he's back in the booze, and he was off it for years and years and years and years, so my dad was now caught, kind of runs in the jeans, I think, in my family, so you fear that you relapse, basically. I can never take it for granted. I've heard some stories about people being 20 years sober and relapsing. It's like, I, I mean, you're thinking this because you're a newcomer. You're only two and a half weeks in. You're, you are raw, like, proper mm. newcomer. So your heat, don't mean to be cheeky, but I it's think, is your heat up your ass? It is completely, mate. Aye, it's fucking ass. like you pickled, Aye, so you'll get used to it. And the, I mean, the the idea of me drinking is literally like getting down on my hands and knees and eating fucking dirt off the ground. Like, mm-hmm. why would I want to eat dirt? Like, that's the that's same to me. Like, so don't get me wrong though, I'm only a human being. I do think, like, I love my ma. I'm a mommy's boy. Oh, I think what would happen if something bad happened to my ma or Mama. my dad yeah. or whatever. But I need, I need to take it a day, a day at a time. I mean, the way I look at it is, like, if you're able to live through a fucking global pandemic, I lost everything through a pandemic. If I right. can stay sober through a pandemic, I can stay sober. I think I can stay sober most most of the time. Uh, but I'm trying to just take it a, a day at a time and uh, touch with. Um, I don't relapse enough a day. I mean, they say... Uh, a heat for a AA and a belly for a booze is a bad combo. So I'd imagine mm-hmm. if I did relapse, I would be back into a meeting pretty, pretty pronto. Pretty rapid. That's yeah. it. Like, I feel like I, I feel like you're just sitting there calling and I'm asking all these questions. Um, yeah, like, I, I'm very, I'm very kind of, very, very conscious of the fact that I'm very far removed from the situation and I wouldn't want to say something that's so left field and so wrong, do you know what I mean? Um I'm just enjoying the conversation. Um people there's there's a lot of stigma, Darren, I'm gonna ask you a question anyway. I'll 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 risk it. There's a lot of stigma out there about addiction and people look down on people with addictions, don't they? People tend to just blame the person and they don't bring into account things like circumstance, things like their where they've been brought up, the whole nature nurture thing, all that sort of stuff. Some people don't even believe that addiction's a disease. Um, when I think it's quite clearly, in my opinion, a disease. Um, that and that, the it's something that takes control of you. It's something that you need. You need some sort of medication, whether it's even it's not maybe traditional medication. It's maybe people-based medication and people talking to you, and understanding and everything else. It has everything in common with a disease. Are, are you on that sort of line of thinking as well? And how offensive do you find that sort of question? Are people that kind of dismiss it and say, oh, people choose to be alcoholics, it's, don't bother with them, sort of thing? 
Do you know, I think that's the beauty of being sober. It's removed the anger towards that. If somebody said that to me now, I, I kind of feel sorry for them. I don't need to explain to someone why I'm sober or why I think I'm an alcoholic. That's none of their business. I'll talk about my own story and my own journey because I've got a, a platform. It might be a small platform, but it's still a platform. And then people like Jack get in touch randomly. I don't deliberately talk about that. That's just my life. I talk about my story. I've got nothing to hide. But, I mean, people need to educate themselves if they say that it's a choice because if you ask a doctor, a doctor will say it's a disease. A lot of people self-medicate with alcohol and drugs because they've got mental health problems. So I think a lot of people reach out to that because they've got mental health problems. It's not because of the disease. There's so many parts to alcoholism. Like, and I'll, like I don't know what you used to call it when uh, you were younger, but me and my mates used to call it the bite. Did you call it that? When you get the bite to to drink? All right. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest. I don't think we heard a, a, a sort of term for that. You know, to be perfectly honest with you, but so me, I understand where you're coming from. I, we, we, we called it the bite, and it was like a right. bite in your stomach. And when I had it, it was like, I need to drink. Like, I'm drinking tonight. There's nothing that's right. going to stop me. And me and my pals used to, like, laugh about it. Like, have you got the bite? And he's like, aye, I've got the fucking bite, man. Right, okay. And uh, people just need to... I mean, I, I'm, no, I'm certainly no an angel. I used to be out in the tune steaming full of gear and eckies and a homeless guy used to be like can I get some money and I'd be like fuck off you junkie bastard straight into a pub like at the pints and gear in the toilet <laughs> so I've, I've made the mistakes as well but uh, I'm glad that it's 2023 everybody seems to be opening up to it a wee bit people do definitely seem to be getting better with it and sort of people are starting a lot more understanding of mental health in the first place and obviously the alcoholism being a not going effect on that as well um, I think our environment though is, is a massive element to this as well for some reason Scotland and probably Glasgow just has this bigger drinking problem this bigger young dying at a young age problem this bigger overall health problem than most other places in the UK and I don't know what it is about Glasgow that does that or Scotland or the west of Scotland but there's definitely an element to that to it as well um, which I'm happy to see, I think, is changing. I've got a daughter who's 20. She was actually 20 yesterday. And she's a student. She's at Liverpool Uni. She drinks and stuff like that. But they don't drink to the way we used to drink. They don't drink. Her age group, her group of pals. Even, I thought this for our school pals, now now for uni pals, which is a totally different demographic. They don't drink anymore the way we used to drink anymore. And I think some of the reasons for that is the whole world's documented now. Like, can you imagine when we were 16, 17, if all your pals had iPhones with cameras on them? All our lives been documented like that and stuff like that. I think that puts them, I think, they're a lot more health conscious and stuff, which is great. But there still is this Glasgow issue and Scottish issue, and I don't know what it is about Scotland that makes everybody more susceptible to this sort of thing. I think sometimes there needs to be a very specific set of circumstances that happen as well. Like, if I'm thinking back to... So I went, like I started to drink 14 in the street type thing, I mean by a bottle of Pulse or a bottle of Meridown street side or whatever. So I was already, I was already drinking, it was a bit of like, you had to go hide in the bushes and all that to do it. And then my dad died at 17, 
and that's when I started drinking heavy and my pal was a heavy drinker and all so I don't know if I was the enabler or he was an enabler or if we're both enablers I, I don't really know but that that was a kind of unhealthy relationship for five or six because we used to get blazing drunk and end up fucking arguing all the time rolling about and stuff like that it was, it was pretty horrendous I don't know why we're pal well, I didn't know why we're pals because we both <laughs> like to fucking stank vodka like fuck it 17, 18 <laughs> Moved on to a different group of friends. I went through groups of friends periodically through the time and looking back, thinking about it. Maybe it wasn't them, maybe it was me. Maybe it was, like they just became sick of me being that fucking drunk guy. Being that like and maybe that's why I eventually separated from them or whatever. I'm not hundred percent sure. This is something that I I'm not sure if it's sort of part of the part of the process is looking back and sort of looking back on what happened and taking a hard look at yourself but maybe I don't I went through these friends at teenagers in my 20s in my late 20s sort of three different group of friends just one burning through them ditching them or they ditching me I don't know what way it went it felt like I left them behind but maybe looking back it was new so lots to learn about myself like another thing like that I just I found a question online and I thought it's quite pertinent it was do you remember anyone you hated 10 years ago Dan, or seven years ago let's go when you were when you're drinking and even then does it does that matter like because that does, does that matter what i was doing 10 years ago right. does it matter and, what do you mean i'm, I'm, I'm trying to i'm trying to say i'm not wording this very well right we'll just start with the first question do you remember anybody you hated 10 years ago for example you remember the name of anybody that you yes. had? You do. But, but I don't. I'm I mentally don't. ill, mate. <laughs> no, I know, but so have been. I I've remember been, everybody. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm sober and I can remember loads of people that I hated 10 years ago. So. I remember no, but, country yeah. primary school, man. Fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's the thing. I, I don't. And was, was that because I'm so pissed? I don't know. And or is it because I've got a different mindset, a different sort of personality? Because I've been, I've been, I've been on enough medication for for as as long as I've been drinking um, and self self medicating, obviously with the with the fucking narcotics. I don't really know the point I was trying to get to there, mate. I, I thought you'd go like, ah, no, it doesn't matter. But you went, I fucking hate every cunt. So <laughs> still remember we Polly or something for primary three. Because I don't, I don't remember names of people. But I, 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 there's people that, I, that I'm sure I've met, and I, I was like, you're an arsehole. I don't remember them now. Yeah. Maybe that's just the booze. I don't know. I'm not sure. Maybe my my brain's just riddled, pickled, man. Mate, mate, you need to remember that you're only two and a half weeks sober. But see, because I'm seven years sober, it doesn't mean that I'm superhuman. I, I think I struggle to forget. I, I can hold a grudge. I've got a temper. <laughs> like I've got a temper on me, man. And it's not like just general temper, it's over stupid shit. Like, it's over the silliest wee thing. Any so, examples that, like, recently or anything like that that's burst on that? I mean, I could give you a funny example. I mean, I could give what? you two ones, right? <laughs> I went into a Chinese restaurant. We, I was walking along a street with my mate, and we went into right. a Chinese restaurant for a munch, randomly, just off the cuff, and I had a can of Diet Iron Brew in my pocket. So we sat down and ordered food, and I was like, I'm going to just drink this can of juice to my mate. My mate was like, I don't think they'll like that. And I was like, but it's in my pocket, and I don't want it to go warm. So <laughs> I cracked it open. <laughs> I cracked it open, and it made the wee crack noise, and waiters, waiters started doing that, <laughs> like looking around the corner and stuff. 
And then the manager walked up to us and the manager was like, I never knew this, by the way. The manager was like, I know we don't sell Diet Iron Brew, but that doesn't mean you can bring it into the restaurant. <laughs> and honestly, I like blacked out with white noise. I was like, who the fuck? Get anything <laughs> there? <laughs> and see, honestly, it was years ago, but see, every t- occasionally I'll be like that to my mate. Remember that time with the Diet Iron Brew? And he's like, you're yeah. fucked, mate. <laughs> it's like you've got a trigger point every time you see a chicken ball man <laughs> just flashes. so that, that was a fu- but like I, I remember I was living with my mum right when I was younger and I got a letter through for Specsavers about my contact <laughs> lenses and it was like right. you owe us 14 quid <laughs> so as I was opening the letter I was like I'm going to internally I was like I'm going to go down to the bank and pay that and my ma came in the room and she was like, you better pay that or the house will get blacklisted. And I was like, <laughs> I said, well, what, what, was it, what was that? And she was like, you better go and pay that or the house will get blacklisted. And I was like, I've got money in my wallet right now and I'm going to go down and pay for it. The bank's only a mile walk. And she's like, I know, but I'm just saying the house will get blacklisted. And if you went, if you went for a mortgage and stuff, it might affect you for your mortgage. And I was like... 13 quid, aye? You're trying to tell me, you're trying to tell me I won't get a mortgage at 13 quid. And she's like, no, I'm just saying, like, the just will get blacklisted. And <laughs> I had this, That's like, incredible Hulk rage. I just ripped my t-shirt off. I was like, ah, ah! <laughs> like, my full t-shirt, like, Hulk Hogan ripped it off. There's your fucking blacklist. <laughs> so... And then I walked into oh. the bank and paid the bill. <laughs> Colin, I personally don't think there's anybody still listening, and if they are, they're pretty hardcore long-term memory fans, and I would be expecting them to go and sign up to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash wrong-term memory, or by clicking the link in the show notes. Absolutely. And if, for whatever reason, they can't do that and paying for content isn't their bag, they can still offer us continual support by leaving a rating and a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Mm-hmm.